This is the Best Run Podcast. Brought to you by SAP. Hello everybody and welcome to today's edition of the Best Run Podcast. Today we've got Autumn Krauss with us. Autumn is the Principal Scientist with SAP Success Factors. Welcome Autumn. Hi there, thanks for having me. No problem. Now Autumn, I understand you're focused on um, well-being and particularly the Wellbeing at Work initiative that SAP is running. Um, can you give us a little bit of background about that? Absolutely. So our uh, Wellbeing at Work initiative that's led by SAP SuccessFactors, it's been in place for the past couple of years. Uh, and really the focus is to operationalize a culture of well-being and purpose inside organizations. And we really view well-being as a key predictor of the employee experience and employee engagement and all the real outcomes that organizations are seeking from their employees. And so this initiative has involved a couple different components, uh, one of which is really to be able to draw connections from our suite of products at SAP SuccessFactors and how organizations can utilize those to improve employee well-being. So really just connecting the dots for our customers between the functionality we offer today and how they can leverage it uh, to improve well-being. And then the other components are more associated with our partner ecosystem. So we have some great partners that are focused on well-being, offering different technologies in the market. And so that's another key part of this initiative is to bring those into our ecosystem, to integrate them with success factors and really have the best of both worlds both what we can offer more from an organizational and HR functionality point of view, and then collaborating with these amazing well-being experts who are doing awesome things, you know, in their own right when it comes to technology and improving well-being. Yeah, and I understand that you've got quite a um, lengthy background in terms of um, understanding well-being and, you know, a lot of accolades. So congratulations on that. But I understand that uh, you've run a number of research programs. Do you want to give us a bit of background about that as well? Yeah, for sure. So um, my research portfolio, and at this point, I'm about 15 years out since I got my PhD in organizational psychology, and my specialization is in occupational health psychology, so specifically the focus of employee well-being and health and safety at work. Uh, And that's kind of a niche discipline inside that broader area of organizational psychology. Um, But my research portfolio has always been focused on well-being from, from a bunch of different angles. Uh, I like to really endorse a more holistic view of what well-being is. So part of my research has focused more on safety at work, um, which clearly now, if we think about the COVID-19 pandemic, it has become even more paramount for all different types of industries. Um, My primary background for that research was more in high-risk, high-reliability industries, um, so places where people could get significantly hurt or even die. Uh, and just studying the psychological piece of safety. So how can we instill good safety attitudes and beliefs, have workers make good safety choices, support them with a strong safety culture. But then beyond that, on the well-being side and more of the health side, I've studied all different types of stressors at work and, and trying to understand how organizations can really cultivate better work environments, design jobs in a more healthy and effective way. Um, So we can really go upstream and reduce the likelihood of stress at work, um, taking more of like a proactive approach instead of trying to deal with the symptoms once they occur. And and how is that really related um, in terms of well-being to an organizational outcome? Yeah, that's a question that a lot of companies ask. I think if we were to go back in a time machine, maybe about 10 years ago, there was a lot of skepticism about the value of investing in employee well-being for organizations. 
Uh, there wasn't a lot of evidence to show the business impact. And while we might all want to endorse, well, it's just good to do. And we should all do that as companies to invest in well-being and offer benefits and take care of our workers. There's plenty of argument to be made just in its own right. Um, of course, we're still running businesses. And if we want to get full executive teams on board and we want to get them to invest in well-being as a strategy, um, then it's important that we show that it has significant positive impacts on both employee and organizational outcomes. And uh, luckily enough, over the past decade, there's been a lot of research that's been assembled, both more academic studies as well as business studies uh, to show that it does impact important outcomes. So we think about at the individual level, outcomes like trying to mitigate and reduce burnout, uh, reduce absenteeism, reduce presenteeism, which is the idea that people come to work, but they're not really fully engaged and not really productive at the level that they could be, uh, and ultimately trying to reduce uh, turnover. And then at the organizational level, I like to think more about the upside, which is trying to improve organizational capability, resilience, and agility. Uh, so we'll have positive outcomes along those lines. If you're more talking to a financial person or thinking more about financial impacts, clearly there's a lot of evidence that it reduces healthcare costs and mental health claims and, and the like. So, um, so there's plenty of evidence at this stage, I would, I would argue, uh, to show that well-being makes sense for business. Yeah, and I can imagine with all those different areas that you touched on, um, that's a lot for an organization to actually get their head around. So what are some of the common mistakes that organizations do make when they're trying to prioritize employee well-being? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I would encourage organizations to think about this uh, prioritization of well-being and their, and their focus on well-being like culture change. I know that that's not necessarily how a lot of organizations perhaps initially focus on it. And I'll get to your point around the mistakes here in a moment. And if we think of it more as trying to systemically embed well-being as a value in our company, then there's a lot of work to be done. You know, it's not as simple as a band-aid of well-being benefits. And I think that that's one of the common mistakes that organizations make. Um, I've often seen, as I've done my research and spend time doing uh, well-being culture assessments, boots on the ground with companies, uh, that when they do wrap their head around the potential business benefit and, they, and they've switched on to the idea that well-being is important, what they often intend to do is then throw a lot of well-being benefits at it. So they'll have like a cornucopia of well-being offerings, um, be it trainings or gym memberships or nutrition classes or whatever it might be. It just... There's a lot of focus on benefits and offerings and programs and initiatives, but ultimately what we hear from employees when we do our research is that, you know, that's all fine and good. We have all these things, but I don't have time to do them or what I'd really much rather appreciate would be having a better leader or having a job that's not so stressful. Um, so what I would encourage organizations to think about, and this is one key component of our well-being model at SAP Success Factors, is that there's individual well-being, which can benefit from those types of programs and uh, initiatives I just described. Um, but then there's also organizational well-being. And we want to be really focusing on both with our interventions, trying to drive a work environment, uh, job conditions, leadership support executive decision-making that cultivates a strong culture of well-being alongside providing benefits. I think that that's the most common uh, mistake I see organizations do when they start to really invest in well-being. 
Yeah, and you mentioned leadership support, but uh, what role do you think that leaders and managers really play in influencing the well-being of their teams? Oh, an enormous role. I mean, the, the, the research evidence behind that is really uh, compelling and, and also interesting. So uh, there's obviously a straight ahead relationship. So we know that generally speaking, leaders who are better leaders are more likely to have employees that have more positive well-being. And when I when I say better leaders, what I'm really referring to there are more transformational leaders. So people that uh, are more inspirational, more encouraging, they have a vision that they can communicate to their workforce. Um, they offer support and coaching. They also uh, show a lot of active care. So being able to really recognize your workforce as whole people and support them in that capacity. So better leaders have uh, healthier employees when it comes to well-being. Um, but there's more to it than that. When I talk about the organizational culture and really showing that well-being matters, one of the key ways is leader role modeling. So a lot of the interviews I've done with workers, employees will say, well, I mean, I can't take the time to go walk around outside at lunch or to take a break or um, to invest in my own well-being and have reasonable work hours because I, I look at my boss and they're chained to their desk. They're not taking advantage of those programs or giving themselves breaks. And so research has shown that leader role modeling of well-being important to them uh, then certainly translates to employees having permission in a lot of ways to also invest in their own well-being. And the last thing I would say about leaders, the, the most interesting research I just saw uh, recently this year that came out in academia, looked at how uh, leaders who invest in their own well-being, that not only shows that they're role modeling positive well-being behavior, but it also gives them capacity to, to then turn around and just be good leaders. Because at the end of the day, if you are expecting a lot out of a leader, they really don't have it to give if their own, I'll use the term I use with my kids, um, if their own bucket isn't full, then they really can't turn around and then offer those resources and that level of support to their employees. And so there's so many reasons why we really need to start with leaders and investing in their own well-being to create that space and that uh, role model for the rest of the business. And of course, leaders play quite a role in terms of influencing a team dynamic. But can you talk about the aspects of team dynamics that impact employee well-being? For sure. So, um, so there's the leader piece that we just addressed. But let's put the leader aside for a minute and just think about the colleagues and coworkers that we engage with every day, and and how we see them potentially impacting our well-being, and 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 also vice versa, us impacting theirs. So the interesting thing with emotions at work, I'm going to pull like other streams of research from from our psychological literature into this conversation, emotions at work are contagious. And, and we've studied that for some time. And there are certain emotions that are more contagious than others. But what I mean by contagious is that quite literally, if we are in a group and we uh, convey some type of emotion, uh, then it's likely to impact and influence the other emotions of those people in our group. Um, there's been some really basic studies done where let's say a person enters a room and everyone's laughing and smiling and that impacts the likelihood that they are also going to respond in the same way. Or alternatively, they enter a room and everyone's very glum and, and looks upset and ultimately they're impacted physiologically from that type of emotion. And that's just basic emotions, but when it comes to well-being, um, you would envision that those same level of emotions can generalize and impact our, our teams. And so as um, I've been talking with customers and colleagues about the impact of particularly COVID-19 
on team well-being, we've all been going through a lot and, and have varied experiences through this period. And so I've heard a lot from employees that they're just feeling generally socially exhausted through this process and that they um, have now started to just finding these social interactions amongst team members to be pretty laborious and, and impacting their own well-being. And so but what I can really suggest there is that we have to put parameters in place. We need to recognize how our emotions impact our teams and, and show up every day with that acknowledgement and, and try to put some parameters and guidelines in place where we can try to foster positive well-being amongst each other uh, instead of potentially hindering it um, with some negative emotions. And, and not to say, I, I want to be careful here that I'm not saying like, keep it inside, don't share. That would never be my intention. But we have to find more healthy ways of coping as teams when it comes to well-being and just acknowledge that if we bring our challenges and our emotions to meetings and to conversation every time, it, it will start to dampen the well-being of the group. Let's just switch topics for a little bit. Um, so obviously we'll stick to well-being, but COVID-19, obviously that's had a big impact in terms of employee well-being. Can you talk about uh, some of the impacts and, and, and what the priority has been for organizations with COVID-19? For sure, for sure. Um, so one, I think that we've, I mean, the upside of all of this, and I know it's hard to think of that in this circumstance and, and what we're seeing globally and the challenges that we're all facing in various capacities. But the upside to a lot of this is it has brought well-being and, and employee well-being to the forefront of dialogue. And so in that way, I've really encouraged companies to um, to capture this moment that the folks in their organizations who have been focused on this and trying to advocate for, for an emphasis of employee well-being and perhaps haven't gotten the traction that they would have desired in the past, just now have such an opportunity to really lean in, to be a source of expertise for organizations as they're grappling with this. And I use the term grappling very purposeful because a lot of companies that I've spoke with are trying to figure out in real time, you know, as quick as possible, what a strategy around well-being can look like going forward. Um, certainly, we have some scenarios, and I mapped this out as part of our um, efforts internally as our uh, SAP Success Factors HR research team. We did identify different workforce scenarios that are playing out uh, for workers during COVID-19, and each one of those workforce scenarios carries different well-being challenges. For example, the first one would be those folks that have just been let go. Um, we have significant population, particularly in the United States, um, that was just let go through this crisis and is now looking for work and, and has that complete lack of job security. And, and you would envision that financial well-being would be of utmost concern to them during this period. Alternatively, we have people who are furloughed, who are in a situation where they're kind of on the bench and waiting to see when things will pick back up and they'll be brought back on again. And that creates a lot of insecurity as well, financial insecurity about others because you're waiting and, and wondering and that's a, a concern for your psychological well-being. Uh, we have people who are redeployed. A lot of companies have told us that they now have workers that are have pivoted their roles because they had some lines of business that really slowed down and others that were really important and, and picked up steam during this period or, or even had to um, shift manufacturing lines to new products in response to demand. And so we have redeployed workers that are very quickly trying to bring up their skills and, and remain current and, and uh, important during this time. And that carries well-being challenges with that. 
Um, we have people who are brought back to work. So that'd be a whole nother scenario and the well-being associated with that. And in here, you know, a key concern is more physical well-being and maintaining your health as you've gone back to work. Uh, during this period. And then the finally, the folks that, um, at least at SAP, I think the, as I've talked to our own workforce, this is what they've faced the most, which is just the overworked worker. The folks who have either as essential workers continued on through this period or uh, have transitioned to work from home. And that's brought its own challenges as you're trying to deal with family responsibilities and carve out space to still contribute at work. And the last point I would make there is that brings in a whole nother element of digital well-being, which is one of the topics that we study. Um, digital well-being would be how we can have a healthy relationship with technology at work. And that includes being able to switch off and have time to recover where we're not always on our devices or feel pressure to constantly respond. We've seen a ton of research come out that said during this COVID-19 pandemic, um, that remote workers have really struggled with that. You know, the upside is it can be at home. The downside is that it has no defined work hours. And so that carries a whole different well-being implication. Yeah, and of course, you've also got all the other pressures uh, like children in the background. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so just to finish up, Autumn, can you just expand on the SAP Success Factors Wellbeing at Work Initiative? And also the role that uh, HR technology plays in fostering positive well-being at work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come along and chat to your audience today about well-being at work and particularly our initiative. So I think that um, we continue to invest in this as, as the SAP Success Factors HR research team. Uh, well-being and fostering employee well-being is one of our five current active research programs. Um, so this is a topic as Success Factors that we will continue to invest in and continue to disseminate our findings out to uh, the HR community and, and particularly our customers. As it relates to HR technology, I would really suggest that this is an amazing opportunity to embed well-being as a value inside our organizations. Uh, I know a lot of people might not think in that manner. So to go back to my earlier points, there's more of a likelihood for us to think about well-being programs and well-being rewards and incentives. Um, but ultimately, if we consider this more from a cultural perspective, employees look to HR practices to tell them what really matters around here. So how much is well-being really important? Well, I should be able to see it show up in my recruiting practice and, and how I talk about the business and how I recruit employees to our organization and the questions and the conversation I have with them as applicants. I should uh, be able to feel it and see it in onboarding. It should be a topic of, of interest and learning and training during onboarding to show that this is a value inside our business to uh, promote reporting if you're having a tough time when it comes to well-being or to, to talk about the health and safety aspects that are put in place within our business. Um, likewise, for training, I should be able to offer a well-being oriented training. And, and for instance, if I'm promoted as a manager, I should be able to get some well-being leadership training. Uh, and then finally, more performance management and succession planning. If you really want to show employees what matters around here, then it should be considered as to how people get promoted that they're focusing on their team's well-being and that they're having a healthy work-life balance and then they're able to have capacity and, and 
not be burning out to get ahead. Um, that's, those are really important symbols for employees about well-being and the importance in your business. And so uh, SAP Success Factors Research Team has built a bunch of different assets that we can make available and we have available on our website that point to how technology can be used across the employee life cycle to really foster well-being at work. Um, the most mature organizations I've worked with in a consulting capacity have recognized the opportunity to embed well-being through HR practices and even stood up a whole separate work stream during their culture change initiatives to address that. So yeah, so that's just a little bit about the role technology can play here. Uh, and like I said, happy to share the resources if it would be helpful to the audience. Thank you so much, Autumn. It's been really insightful having you here. Thank you. For those of you who are interested, please go to sap.com slash Australia. And in the search area, you can type in uh, wellbeing or employee wellbeing, and you'll find a number of resources available there. Thanks for listening. And you've been listening to the Best Run podcast. You've been listening to the Best Run podcast. Brought to you by SAP.